Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. And, Lou, we've got some news today. We're talking uh-huh. to Tim Fiore with the uh, Institute for Supply Management on the ISM's report on business series. And the report just came out this morning. What did you think of it, Lou, before we have Tim explain it to us? Uh, I'm not thinking <laughs> really a whole lot about it, and I don't care if it's over 50 or not. It's getting closer and closer to the watermark. So, uh, and and in uh, All Metals and Forge Group, uh, we're feeling it uh, just like uh, most of the metal companies or fabricators or machinery builders. There seems to be concern about <laughs> excuse me seems to be concerned about futures and we still have another month of summer so let tim take it away and tell me why i shouldn't be freaking out okay well uh good afternoon gentlemen i you know i love this report the reason i love this report is because there's 10 data points with a whole bunch of comments and analysis underneath that that really tells a story so let's let's talk about what the story says for july we've had four straight months of pmi uh softening meaning it's, we're still expanding but at at uh, relatively soft levels uh four months ago we we're 52.8 this month we we're at 51.2 and we've had no rebound at all which is very unusual uh six of our 10 sub indexes were actually in a contraction mode this month uh out of 10 and that's the first time we've seen that kind of heft since May of 2016, uh, which is a little bit concerning too. The, uh, the, the, the summary story on this is that demand is very weak and that we're probably overcapacitized. And let me explain to you why I think the demand is fairly weak. So uh, at 50.8 new orders, up an eighth of a, uh, a tenth of a, eight tenths of a point from a 50 number in June, that's a really weak expansion. You know what? I use a in the range, which is a plus or minus 12 and a half points. Generally, our index travels in about a 25 total point range. So you can see that's not even a 10% change from uh, from the prior month. So very very weak. Uh, you know, on top of that, on the new export order side, we're now in contraction mode at 48.1. So uh, our new export orders are less this month than they were last month, which is never a good thing. Uh, from the standpoint of customer inventories, we're now almost at a 46 level. Uh, if you go back, uh, let's see, go back four months, we were at 42.6, which uh, I'm much more comfortable with because it means that there's future demands for production output. Now at a 46 level, we're very close to the just about right number. And, uh, and you know, several of us who kind of look at this number think that you, know, you get north of 46 and it's just, it's enough. But you know the big story is that the backlog contracted for the third straight month, and it contracted stronger at a 43.1 point. Uh, four months ago, we were at 53.9. We were actually building backlog, and now we're contracting backlog. So, what that really says is that the new order rates coming in are not strong enough to maintain production output to the point where production 
needed to reach into the backlog and burn some of that down. So demand has definitely gotten weak. We have more capacity than we need at, at the current demand levels. And, uh, you know, something uh, – and we've had four straight months of declining PM, PMI without any kind of a rebound. So uh, it's concerning. That's a mild word. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a mild word. Uh, I think that uh, obviously the, the summer has uh, something to do with uh, what's going on or, or not going on. Um, and I see in the uh, the comments that uh, some of your uh, interviewer, interviewees uh, uh, talk about is uh, the tariff issue. And uh, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on in regards to the tariffs. Uh, they have a meeting, they cancel it, they delay it three months. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, I did hear something, uh, a quote uh, by someone in Washington, D.C. that's basically he said he doesn't really care. Uh, and that, that's, a, that's a wild statement. And uh, it, it's the economy, stupid. And uh, we need to uh, get, get the ball rolling again. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, Tim, let's, what, are you, what are your respondents ahead, saying to all this? I'm sorry. Sure, what are your respondents saying to all of this? Yeah. All right. So first, on the seasonality side, our seasonality factors were slightly positive for new orders in production, and for supplier deliveries and employment, slightly negative. So the numbers you're seeing on supplier deliveries and employment, uh, they are they're actually slightly higher. The raw numbers. And for the new orders and production, they are actually slightly lower than what you're seeing, but not serious, not a big, big shift. Uh, if, if they hadn't been seasonally adjusted, we would have been at about a 50.7. And for those who follow the report, they can extract those numbers out of the report and, and calculate that themselves. I think mm -hmm. uh, we had 25% of our respondents had tariff-related comments, 25%. And we had a 1.2 to 1 positive sentiment to not so positive, which was up slightly from 1.1 to 1 last month, which is down significantly from the 3 to 1 that we had in May and uh, in April. So the, the, the feelings, the sentiment has been declining uh, to the point where we're pretty much one for one at this point. I think, you know, if you look at the tariff issue and, and my, my belief on this, you know, we, we have a strong currency not helping exports at all. Uh, the, the, the interest rate drop that occurred yesterday isn't going to have a big impact on these numbers. Uh, a quarter point is, is not going to, to juice the manufacturing economy. The biggest headwind that we have, besides the fact that we've been running now for 35 months, um, what's generally a 37-month average cycle, is that uh, tariff issues are continuing. And the positive thing is that from the last report that we did, the, uh, the 300 billion of uh, input China material, the last 300 billion, most likely won't see a 25% tariff. I, I think the respondents, at the time we did the report last month, 46% of the comments were tariff related. Uh, and the biggest issue there was that pretty much all of China's imports to the U.S. are going to be tariffed at a 25%. The, the 300 billion, the last 300 billion will not be tariffed. I don't think anybody thinks that's going to be tariffed in the short term, but you never know. Uh, I think we also kind of believe that the $250 billion that's currently being tariffed at 25% is not going to go away in the short term. It's going to be there for a long time. 
the Mexico border issue uh, in our last report had already been resolved. So, our, you know, the, the comments I think had been we, we, you know, we understood that at least for the time being, inbound material from Mexico was not going to be tariffs. But th there's only 50 days or something left before that deadline uh, terminates and the whole thing could come back. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, the threats of tariffs against Guatemala, now not a big country that's going to impact manufacturing, were, were used to resolve a, uh, a political immigration issue, which is alarming because now you're using economic strength and, and trade issues to resolve uh, political and social issues. Uh, and I think we've generally just lost confidence and then, you know, lastly, there, and you'll see it in my second paragraph of the front of the report, is that there's definitely strong indications that, okay, enough is enough. We're going to move product being manufactured in China out of China, whether it's company-owned factories or whether uh, they're, they're uh, JVs or whether it's uh, subcontract suppliers who are providing them. The community is now moving to find a new place to make this stuff. And... The comments aren't jumping at you that it's coming back to the U.S. They're going other places. What effect uh, does the Belton uh, Road that China is building uh, have an effect on their concern about their exports to, uh, to the West? Um, they are uh, building their own marketplace in, I think, it's 68 nations. And, uh, of course, we're left out of that. And they're kind of taking the attitude, well, fine, we don't, we don't care. We don't need to export to the United, the United States. Is, is that something that you can comment on? Well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm generally familiar with, that, with their strategy. It's been underway for many years. 5% uh, mm -hmm. of their GDP is exports to the U.S., so you know, they can't ignore that. But their exports to the European Union are larger simply because there's more population in the European Union. There, I mean, there's a, it's a 400 million population in the European Union, but as I recall, European Union as a block is the number one trading partner with China. Right. So, and I, and I think this whole Belt and Road uh, activity is a, is a way to uh, export Chinese labor in a large part to, uh, to build infrastructure in developing countries that can then be used to trade and help transport uh, materials in and out of the countries. And, uh, you know, they're loaning money to those countries that in many cases are having a hard time paying it back. So, uh, and, and some of that had to do with the whole TPP activity. So I don't think China can ignore this. I think the biggest issue, so let's jump over to the six big industry sectors. So, you know, computers, electronics, and chemicals are number one, number two, very close to each other, about 35% of manufacturing GDP, transportation equipment, follows at about uh, 13, I think about 13%. Food and beverage, about 12. Petroleum and coal products at about 7 or 8. And then fabricated metal products at about 6. So those are our big 6. And uh, those are the ones you got to kind of watch. There's been a real shift in expansion and contraction in those categories, those, those industry sectors, over the last six months. Up until a couple of months ago, computer and electronics and uh, chemical products were our number one, number two industry sectors expanding. And they're our number one, number two industry sectors, so they have an outsized weight on everything else. But they were expanding. They were expanding pretty strongly. I mean, I, I remember numbers, uh, you know, high 50s, low 60s. We don't report those numbers for those industry sectors, but I can see them. 
and uh, they were expanding in that kind of territory. Uh, now they're in the low 50s, so uh, and, and they have an outsized impa- outside impact on the PMI, and there is part of the reason. Uh, food and beverage is our strongest expanding industry sector, and it's expanding pretty strongly. Uh, so, but I, but I think, and then uh, on the contraction side, we have two contracting. We have fabricated metal products, and we have transportation equipment, and they're both contracting fairly strongly. But I think the real story here, you can get the fabricated, you can get the fabricated metal products under this, the whole steel issue. Although uh, a positive thing is that steel prices are growing again, and they're about eight percent off of what is a nominal amount. They're around almost six hundred bucks a short ton, which is pretty good. I mean, that that means there's some increased demand for them I think that's a really good thing and with the lead times of steel 8 to 12 weeks that could uh, bode good well for our September October manufacturing period you know I think that the real story here is around computers and chemicals chemicals is a building block industry sector that feeds into all the others it's also a global supply chain business so they export product everywhere if if you have uh, export issues new export orders are down most likely the chemical industry is going to feel that. So to have that industry sector just slightly expanding uh, is concerning long-term. And then on the computer electronics side, uh, they were able to you know, crush their way through increased material tariffs for the last year, you know, passives, actives, chips coming out of China, memory, all being tariffed at uh, anywhere from 5 to 25%. Industry sector still grew, still expanded, and now with this whole uh, Huawei uh, trade issue, uh, Department of Commerce, export license stuff, uh, computer electronics has now kind of come down to uh, the ground. And you, know, you, you look at what's, what's the, the detail of all that, there's a lot of product that was being manufactured in the U.S. for uh, export into China, and it's now being restricted. You've got to ask yourself, is that part of what's happening here with the computer electronics industry sector? So I think the real story here, computer electronics and chemicals, um, neither one of them uh, are looking positive for the short term. Uh, Tim, do you feel, uh, regarding XM Bank, that it's now been authorized for the next 10 years, uh, do you think that's, that's going to have a uh, positive impact on our export? Uh, market. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's always been a good, but but not if you can't ship seven three seven maxes, it's not going to matter much in the short term, right? Right, right. I mean, I think that's that's the, I think that is definitely weighing on the transportation equipment uh, area. We know automotive is uh, is flat to slightly down, not a real lot, but it's not growing compared to last year. Uh, heavy duty truck business is uh, the sales, the output is strong, but the new order inputs are weak. And that's probably weighing into the new order number. And we know on on the uh, aircraft side, order book is down because of the uncertainties around the, the max. And we know the sales are down because the max isn't shipping. And there's many tiers of suppliers that are impacted by that. And you know between those two, I think uh, uh, trucks and uh, airplanes, that's what's driving the transportation sector, the number three sector, into uh, contraction. I've heard a bit of a rumor about the 737 that they may wind up dropping that aircraft altogether, being that they can't uh, figure out what the problem is. 
No, I hope that's not true. That's the best-selling aircraft ever. Now, that's, you know, that's you, right. You, you check into it, and maybe the, the original 737-100 and 200s that I flew on early in my career don't look like the 737 Max. But and <laughs> yeah. maybe they maybe they should have done a, you know more than just a dash number change on it. But uh, it's right. still a, you know still a great <laughs> aircraft. Yeah, as as long as it stays up in the air. Yeah, I'm uh, the great people at Boeing. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Right. So Tim, in terms of supply chain, as people move out of China, is Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Indonesia, all of that uh, Southeast Asia area looking? Uh, you know, really attractive? Well, it depends on what you're moving, right? I mean, there's been a lot of transshipping going on, too. Uh, you know, I think there's been there's been uh, data that shows that uh, as China exports to the U.S. dropped, Vietnam uh, exports to the U.S. increased. And, you know, we've probably all seen the story about galvanized steel. They, they put up galvanized lines in Vietnam. The steel gets ship to Vietnam, they run it through a hot dip process and then export it to the U.S. It's really Vietnamese steel, not Chinese steel, but it's really Chinese steel galvanized in Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, the export, China exports to the U.S. fell, I, I found this number last week, China exports to the U.S. fell 8% in June, year over year. That's pretty incredible. Um, China imports fell 7.3% in June. So, U.S. imports fell 31%. There it is, 31% year over year. U.S. imports from China fell. That's a serious number. So you know, 31% on $600 billion a year, right, of of, uh, of imports we're taking from China. So you're talking $200 billion of economic loss in the Chinese economy that runs at what about 12 trillion. So that's yeah. that's what about one and a half percent. Yeah, you're talking about real money. Yeah, it's real it's serious money. <laughs> serious money. It's, that's that's probably why you can you, you can buy a TEU container China outbound to the U.S. pretty cheap these days. This is true. Yeah, I'll bet that's true. So you were talking about headwinds, uh, Tim. Just for our listeners, if you would summarize what headwinds you see from now, maybe through the end of the year, so they can kind of get a feel for what they should be looking at. Right. So, you know, all indications are, uh, as I said, all indications are that things are pretty weak. I mean, prices at 45.1, uh, price declines. Now, maybe the steel growth here in the last couple of weeks will will turn that number around. But, you know, a lot of that 45.1 was, uh, you know, pro- probably early to mid-July price strength where steel was still running uh, at the, the, you know, the low 500s. Uh, fuel costs are so low. And, uh, you know, copper is really weak. So it's, it's just another uh, foundation that says that demand is, is kind of weak and people are trying to buy share. So, you know, I think the, the single biggest issue here, and I, but I don't see it happening in the short term, is um, somehow we got to resolve the trade issue and, and or the threat of continual trade actions. Because I, I think... If you look at our lead times for capital equipment, they dropped three days, not a real lot. Seven days on a production material, which is quite a bit. That's the biggest drop that we've seen in many, many years. So I think there's a lack of business confidence in what to do, where to invest your money. Uh, I don't think anybody is saying that the economy is tanking. And you know, we're even at a 50 or a 51, 
we're still stable at much higher levels than we were running two years ago, right? So it's not like we're in contraction mode. Uh, I think there will be some confidence here with the interest rate reduction, but I, I think that's going to help earnings per share, and it might help the financiers, but uh, I don't think that's going to really add to uh, manufacturing GDP. The consumer confidence numbers are strong, which is a bright spot, and but the consumers are the last to know that there's an issue, right? So, <laughs> right. Uh, so, so I'm kind of hoping that, uh, that we get some amount of a rebound here, but you know the rebound has got to come from a, a step up in new orders. And it, it could be that we could see it in August. Uh, uh, as you guys know, September and October and half of November are usually pretty good manufacturing months. And for sure. uh, so you know, people are laying orders in uh, in August for deliveries in that time frame. So hopefully we'll see a step up in the new order area. It would be good if the new export orders helped contribute to that and went back into an expansion mode rather than being in a contraction mode. And you know, as we close the month of August, it would really be good if, uh, if that backlog got back up above 50, even if the new order level was at 52 or something. So I'm looking for some signs of life here. And at present, the only sign of life in this report is the supplier delivery number growing 2.6 points, which doesn't make a lot of sense compared to everything else that you see here. Right? Well, I'm hope I'm hoping that uh, the August, the September, October uh, manufacturing surge starts a month early, <clears throat> uh, which is not likely. Uh, we do hear a lot from our metal buyer uh, around the country that they're they're hearing from their customers. Well, we 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 can't place the order yet. Our customers put a hold on it. They're not sure what's going on or what's going to happen. So that we hear uh, directly a, a lot of uh, uh, concern about uh, uh, what's happening and when will it happen and how will how will it affect them in the near term. So it it is an issue we hear it specifically uh, every day, and uh, no matter how hard you push to get the PO number. If they don't want to place that number, they're not placing that number. Yeah, yep, that's exactly right. Yep, you can't you can't squeeze it out of them. No, no, and no matter what kind of deals you come up with, uh, uh, if they don't have the confidence, it, it doesn't work. Yep, even if you discount it fifteen percent, they're they're probably not going to jump because you're you're not a you're not in a consumer driven retail business. That's correct. That's correct. Plus, you don't want to uh, destroy your own market, right? Uh, no, we have enough people out there doing it for us. <laughs> oh boy! So, well, okay, Tim, so, I just yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just going to well, wrap, just, but go ahead. I got more time. Uh, okay, I just wanted to remind our listeners that this report is, as always, available at instituteforsupplymanagement.org under their news and research section. And in a couple of days, a non-manufacturing report is due out. So if you want to get the written report behind this, you can either come to mfgtalkradio.com, listen to this episode and link to the report, or go to instituteforsupplymanagement.org and get a copy of the report, which Tim is about to summarize for. Yeah, yeah. So... So, you know, overall here, uh, demand is weak. Demand is driving a, uh, a, a decline in the PMI expansion. 
Uh, we're currently likely sitting in, a, in an overcapacity situation, environment, where um, we could do a lot more with, uh, with a little bit more demand. Uh, the, the overall concern here is not only on the, the weak new orders and the weak new export orders, but the fact that backlog is being uh, consumed at a faster rate, uh, to some extent alarming. We've had, uh, we have six of our 10 sub-indexes in contraction mode, and the last time we saw something like that was back in May of 2016, where we had eight of 10. Uh, consumer confidence is good, uh, positive. Um, the money policy uh, is better. The trade issues are better this month than they were last month, but they're still not very good. Uh, and after a year and a half of using trade as a, uh, a multi-purpose weapon, I think the community is getting a little bit exhausted, and we're not really sure where to invest, as evidenced by the fact that our uh, durable goods lead times are dropping which means that we're not placing as many orders as uh, we have in the past, even though I think June was a fairly good durable goods month. Uh, initial jobless claims are still low. Uh, there's no, no comments really about uh, layoffs, but on the employment side in our report, there were several comments about not replacing people because of the, uh, you know, the eagle eye on, on what's going on with demand. And I think you know, finally, the raw material inventory accounts are being watched very closely with respect to new order inputs and the and the situation with backlog, because no one wants to end up uh, holding on to raw material inventory that they can't convert into sales. So uh, that's kind of the story for the month of uh, of July. Um, our big trading partners, China PMI at 49.7, you know, contracting. The EU manufacturing PMI at 46.4, six straight months of contraction. Uh, when when I first came into this role. You know, we were talking about synchronous expansion across the global economy, you know, China expanding, Japan expanding, Europe expanding. The only area that really wasn't right. expanding much was Brazil. And, and now we're sitting here with the U.S. Uh, probably running at a, anywhere from a 1.8 to 2.1 GDP level at this point. That would be my prediction. And uh, everybody mm -hmm. else in kind of a hunker-down mode. And Europe at probably 1.5 or less. And and uh, China at the slowest rates of growth in uh, decades. Well, that's a cheery, cheery report. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> let you make up for it next month when everything comes back to normal. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's, it's got to be the new orders. People got to start pl place orders. Place your orders. All right, we got that's we great. have to we we have to hear from uh, Anthony Nieves in a couple of days and uh, he'll cheer us up. Yeah, he should well, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what he's got. I'm not going to say but he, I'm not saying anything. Okay. <laughs> you already did. Well, I don't have insight into I, I don't have insight into his numbers, but I know his numbers are are generally stronger and they're they're not as cyclic. Got it. Okay, so yeah, we now clearly. got the inside poop. Yeah, well, right, Tim, thanks for thanks for joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. I know you've got to rush off to your next interview, so we appreciate uh, the ISM doing this series with us. Thank you. How you bet, guys. Good to talk with you, and I'll be speaking with you at the, uh, in early September. Thanks. Very good. Very good. We'll Take talk care. to you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So, Lou, I have to guess that the quarter-point drop in GDP in uh, the Fed rate 
with the excess capacity in manufacturing is going to produce bupkis. Uh, bupkis is probably the right word. And uh, too bad uh, I am only on the third floor of this of our office building. Uh, <laughs> so if I decide to jump, I'm only going to become a paraplegic. So um, it, it's uh, these these are hard hard words to uh, absorb, and uh, it only means that we got to work harder and try and uh, uh, find where the business is because there's always enough business out there. Uh, you know, you just got to dig deeper and uh, beg harder. Yeah, that's exactly right. So with uh, all that, we we want to thank uh, everyone for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Lou and I are going to go to the bar. Uh, I think so. I think so. We're going to do that. I'm going to have a I'm going to have a Moscow Mule. That's my new drink. Yeah. Okay. Drown our sorrows, but for the rest of you. Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can listen to all of our episodes at mfgtalkradio.com. Uh, there's lots of links to other shows that we do there, so come often and listen much. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.